Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. My name is Jason, and I'm one of the ministers here at the Madison Church of Christ. It's our hope and prayer that the teaching you hear today will bless your life and draw you closer to God. If you're ever in the Madison area, we'd love for you to stop by and study the Bible with us on Sundays at 5 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you have questions about the Bible or want to know more about the Madison Church, you can find us online at madisonchurch.org. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast as well as our sermons podcast, Madison Church of Christ Sermons. Thanks again for stopping by. I hope this study is a blessing to you. All right, so tonight we're going to get into more of the conversation about how do we talk to our children about some of these things. I'm going to need that. And, uh, but we're going to start at a place that maybe you think is not necessarily the most, you know, greatest place to start or what have you. But I want, to, I want to share with you where my mindset is, okay? When talking to your children, I think sometimes we make assumptions that they understand some things that are fundamentally already in front of us. And I think we assume because they're watching us that they are catching, you know, everything, and I know in their Bible classes they're going to get into some of these texts, but what I want us to do is just go back to the very beginning. For those of you who are new to this class, uh, there's a bit of a shock and awe to it. Um, we have talked for the last five or six weeks about how we talk to our children about spiritual things, and last week we began this discussion about talking to our children about like healthy sexuality and how do we even begin these conversations with our small children. And so uh, we talked about the right age, the wrong age, all these things. And I don't know that any of us have a clear, definitive answer on any of this. But I do think it's important for us uh, to start earlier than maybe we anticipated or earlier than we wanted to. Uh, Because we know the world is out there. We know that a lot of things are being thrown out. A lot of things are being introduced to our children at a very early age, uh, as early as kindergarten in some cases. And so... You know, for us to be able to combat the things that the world is going to teach them, we've got to get into their minds a little bit earlier. And so uh, my philosophy was always, don't let the PE coach tell my children anything about this that they don't already know. Okay, my, my objective was to get out in front. We started about the age six, so that's where we're going to start with this. And, um, but I think to begin this conversation, our children need to learn a little bit about how God made things anyway, okay? And I won't get into all the story of creation, but if we don't start where God first introduced sex into our world, then we're missing out on the origin of it. And so I want us to begin there tonight in the garden in Genesis chapter 1. Now, you know the story of creation. I won't get into all the, you know, the, the other five days or even all of the sixth day. I'm just going to get into this aspect of how um, God created man And what we know about that, and and what are some things that we can definitively learn about that. Okay, so here it is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. It says, can everybody see this okay, by the way? I know it's it's not uh, as big as the screen, but everybody good? Give me a thumbs up back in the back. Can y'all see it okay? All right. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds, of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. All right, so what jumps out to you that would be a significant thing for us to be able to share with our children? 
Male and female, all right, good. Both made the image of God. We're both made in the image of God. Anything else? I think that God purposely created them differently. You know, it's the world these days tries tries to say there's not a big difference, or sometimes there's not any difference. You know, between male and female, but it's I think important to say that God from the very beginning created you know better. Right, and I think it's important too for us to know here that one of the things that happens here is that, that God has sort of given an assignment to mankind as well. And what is that assignment that, that is given? You've got to take care of the, the enemies. Got, got to take care of everything, right? All of this is meant to be a blessing to you, and it's your job to take care of those things, right? So he says he created man in his own image. Well, let's just look at some of these words for a second, because, again... Um, not that you are going to break this out with your six-year-old, okay? But I think it helps even from our standpoint to just recognize that God did definitively make them, them differently. So it says God made man, and the word for that is actually a better word would be mankind. The word is what we refer to as Adam, but it's, it's said or it's, it's pronounced Aldom, okay? I know that's kind of funny to say, but anyway, that's, that's the word for mankind. All right, and so he says he made man, and then he says male and female he made him. So the, the words that are used for the male is Zalkar, and then the female is Nekibah. All right, and so those are two distinctive words. And I think that's important to note because it's not a broad sweeping, you know, there's, there's two different kinds. It's, there are definitively different people. And if you look at deep into those words, you're going to... That, that it gets down to the male and the female parts, okay? That's important because God made us different in that way. So God gave mankind a huge responsibility. That was take care of everything that I've created. All right, so let's, let's move a little bit further in this. So in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 17, and I told you last week that I want us to kind of fall in love with the idea of marriage. And how many of you have done premarital counseling with me before? Okay, you guys can probably take a nap here in just a few minutes because you know where I'm about to go with this. Uh, but in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 70, a few things that we need to be reminded of. God reveals the earth was prepared for the benefit of mankind. All of it was given to be a blessing for mankind. Now think about that for just a second. It's all a gift. If you look at this in the context of gifts, if you look at it in the sense of what God is providing for us, just understand that He is, he is setting us up on top of all of creation and he's just trying to take care of us in a way that's really beautiful. So it says, God breathes into man's nostrils the breath of life. So he gives us life. And it says that he placed them in the Garden of Eden to tend to it, so to take care of everything. And there was only that one limit placed on them. And what was that? Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And then to obey him. That was it. That was the only thing. And we know about the fall of mankind. That comes in Genesis chapter 3, but we're still here in Genesis chapter 2. So, I think it's interesting because, you know, when you think about the, the story of, of Eve being made, okay, and you, you think about that for just a moment, give me the summation of it. Somebody just tell me what the summation is of Eve's creation. Okay. Did y'all hear that? Everybody hear that okay? All right. God took her and uh, he, made, 
He made woman out of the rib from his side. But when I look at this, this lesson, I want us to dig a little bit deeper in just our understanding of the environment, the situation, and try to take ourselves to that, to that moment. Recognize that God is sort of giving a little bit of an object lesson before Eve is ever made. So what do we know? The animals are out there. And what, how has he made them? Male and female, right. These, these are not trick questions, I promise. Craig, you keep doing this. I was going to say, uh, yeah. God brought them before Adam, and his job was to do what? Give them all a name, right? So, God recognized that man did not need to be alone. Literally, to be missing apart. That's literally what that means in the sense of, the, of a branch of a tree. So God cultivated within Adam a need for a special relationship. Now let me ask you a question. Does the Bible talk about him going around moping or anything like that? Do you, do you hear any part where Adam goes, I'm so sad. Do you, do you ever see a spot where Adam says, you know, everybody else got a girlfriend. Why can't I get that? You know, there's none of that going on, right? We don't see any of that in the story. It just says that God saw that man, that it was best for him to not be alone. And so he said he would create a helpmeet. And that just means a suitable counterpart, okay? And so he customized one just for man. So, seeing Adam's need, God caused a deep sleep to fall on him. And we talk about this a good bit. God took a rib from Adam and fashioned a woman. Now, that's how we read it. That's kind of, if you just go through the text, that's what you get to. But just for a moment, have you ever stopped to think about the Garden of Eden? Like, can you take yourself to all of this going on? Okay, God bringing the animals, the environment, what they see, what they smell, what they you know, observe, how it the atmosphere that might have been around it. Like, give me some of your thoughts. Just if you sat here and you thought about the Garden of Eden, what would it look like? Anybody? And you see all the animals living in harmony with, um, with one another. Like, yeah, singing. I mean, I'd like to, to teach the yeah. world. To sing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, For those of you who are older, you know what that means. The younger ones, y'all. Yeah. All right, so, okay, animals living together, thriving. What, what else? Sorry, I did a dance. I don't even know why I did that. What do you see? Come on. In your mind. Take your mind there. What do you see? What do you feel? What are you, what are you experiencing in the Garden of Eden? Before Eve or after? Before. Just God put them in the garden. What is it like? Peace. Peace. All right. What else? God's in your midst. Okay. The Bible talks about Him walking through the garden with them. What would you say? Beautiful. beautiful. But what is, it, what is beautiful? Waterfalls. Hiking trails, yeah. <laughs> Kirk, you may, your mind may be somewhere else, man. What, what else? I mean, how do you visualize it? Somebody get, draw me a beautiful mental image of what the garden looks like. You know, in Lion King, with, uh, <laughs> Can you feel the look? Okay, all right, there you go. What other images are out there? <laughs> the song ruined it. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, you and I, okay, good. What else? Carrie, I'm going to take that as a hand raising. Yes, you did. You scratched your head, huh? What? Okay. What else? Yeah, <laughs> everything looks good. All right. What else? <laughs> there you go. Uh, that was Hunter Hughes. <laughs> oh, oh, she said it. Oh, I got you. Uh, what else? What else? Anything? Well, I mean, there, there's no, no, like everything is there. Like it's just, you're, he had to, his work was naming all the animals. Yeah. That's it. I mean, it's just joy. I mean, it's just, whew, let's take a load off. Yeah, I don't know if you guys are, are going there in your mind, but like, on some level, I think of it like almost like tropical rainforest. Like I see like, you know, the green trees. I see like sunbeams kind of coming through the little openings and whoa, you know, that kind of thing. I see butterflies kind of fluttering around. I see all these different layers of greenery and flowers and uh, just different plants of all different species. And they're on different levels, you know, like it's just layered. Y'all ever seen like uh, Augusta National at, uh, in, where's that? In Augusta. In Augusta. Uh, <laughs> The masters, like that golf course and all the azaleas and all the just beautiful dogwoods and beautiful trees. And it's just, it's just layers upon layers of landscaping. It's, you know, meticulously put together and that kind of beauty. You know, I, I kind of see um, like a prairie kind of off of that rainforest, like a little open grassy area. You know, I see the animals running around. I, I imagine there's like a couple of foot trodden paths that maybe go through... Uh, you know, the the area, and I can see, like, real leafy green things. I can see, like, a little stream that comes down. You can hear the water rustling. I, I imagine, like, a, rain, like a, a waterfall off in the distance, and it's kind of emptying into this pool, and there's mist coming up, and I see greenery all Something kind of like what, what this is on the screen here. Like, I imagine all of these different kind of areas, and, but when I think about it, it's not just the beautiful scenery, Someone said, you know, like there's peace. Someone said there's like a rest about it. You know, in my mind, it's, it's, there's a warmth with just a little bit of a cool breeze. You know what I mean? And, that's right. That's right. And I, I kind of imagine all of these scenes kind of collectively gathered together. And the reason I'm saying this, as I think often in the Scriptures, and you guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but we read through stuff and we just get to where it's going. And we don't stop and imagine the environment or the context of what's happening. But, you know, when you think about weddings today, all right, when you think about weddings today, let's talk a little bit about what happens in those. Okay? Tell me what happens with the groom. At a wedding. Does anybody even know? He is like the worst example of a prop ever, right? He just walks in. It's like, you know, like everybody's got their own music, right? You got Grandma Ma coming in and her music. You got, you got all the bridesmaids coming in, you know, the, the ring bearer, the flower girl, they're all coming in. They got their own little, you know, and everybody's got this great thing. 
And in the middle of all that chaos, when everybody's going, oh, look how cute, they look up and dude is up here in a tux. Like, and they're like, hey, he looks pretty good. Like he's just standing up there, not doing anything, just standing there. But nobody, nobody stands up for him or anything. But what happens when the bride walks in? Like if you're in the church building, right, yeah, everybody's like, rise up. The doors fly open. It's like laser light shows and fog and butterflies. You know, her dress is like glowing and she walks out and, you know, and everybody pivots. The whole audience is just pivoting all the way. to. It's so fun for me as the preacher to watch the whole audience, you know, as she comes down the aisle. What am I saying is, who's the star of the show? It's not you guys, I'll just tell you. It's the bride. It's the bride. Well, where do we get all that from? I mean, don't we get that from what we see here in Genesis chapter 2? I mean, really, stop and think about it for just a moment. You know, most guys on their wedding day are absolutely clueless. We don't have a clue what's going on, right? Where's Adam? Asleep. (laughs) Knocked out. I just let me, I'm so tired. Let me just get through this, all right? And then what happens? And I, I don't know if you, if you can envision in your mind, but I imagine Adam waking up from that slumber, right? And he's sitting on one of those little foot-trodden paths. And I just see him kind of like, wow, what, what, what's happened? You know, like maybe just kind of trying to figure out what's happening around him. And then I hear like the rustling of some of that greenery, okay? Like, God stepping out of the bushes. And on his arm is what is the most majestic and beautiful thing that Adam could have ever seen. Think about it. He had never seen another human before. And now he's got a woman in front of him who's naked. And I want you to understand what it says about this situation. It says that Adam saw her and immediately, like, this emotion hit him. Have you ever watched a groom when the bride walks down the aisle? I mean, most of us grooms don't hold it together. Like, we're touched by the gravity of the moment. Like, we see her coming and it's like the most beautiful thing you ever could have imagined. And just imagine that God has fashioned this woman custom-made for a person that he already loves deeply. Are you, are you hearing me? Like, I think sometimes our problem is not sexuality. It's that we don't appreciate the gifts that God is giving us. And so if you understand that and you begin to talk to your children about how special marriage is, about how that is a precious gift that God has provided for you. It's hard for me to even imagine that Adam would ever want to take advantage of her or abuse her after seeing her for that first time. And yet somehow we have made the opposite sex a picture of our sexual fantasy and not so much the connection that God is trying to build between man and woman. And I think we've lost some of that connection. So what does it say? God walked her down the aisle and presented to Adam his gift of marriage. And it says this in Genesis chapter 2, and we can read this if you want to. Someone give uh, Genesis chapter 2, let's just read 21 through 25. Anybody who's got it can go ahead and read it. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. And he 
he took one of the, his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And a man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. One time I was teaching this class, and Stan shared from the back when I got to that, and they were both naked and unashamed. Stan shared, burlered it out. That's what I'm talking about. All right, so <laughs> this is what he's saying and what we need to be reminded of is that at this point, there were no sexual perversions, right? So when he saw this beautiful woman, okay, he just thought of her as this special prize. This was before all the crazy things that have come up and all the abuses that have taken place with, with sexuality. So something just for us to remember they were naked and, and unashamed. And he says, finally, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. I'm, you know, God has made her, brought her out of me. I mean, I'll call her woman. Like she, she was special and precious to him. I say that to just let us understand that those kinds of thoughts have to be poured into our children. So they look forward to, romanticize, you know, dream about the day that they could be married with someone to have this special relationship. That takes away the sexuality aspect of it. Not that that's not something that he prescribes here, because he says these two people have to leave their father and mother, and they have to be joined together in one flesh. And literally this is talking about their sexual parts being joined together. So this is absolutely God-ordained, absolutely uh, put before us as something that we need to uh, partake in, that we need to enjoy. Not that everyone has to be married, but that in the act of marriage, this is a part of it, this sexuality. So, how do we talk to our children? And this is where you get into simplified terms with your children. Again, I think you talk to your child until they stop listening. Okay, usually that's five minutes at this age. Really and truly, okay? So, spend some time kind of cultivating some of these thoughts. So, when you talk to them and, and you're talking to them about boys and girls, one of the things that you can tell them is that, you know, really and truly, boys and girls are mostly the same. They are. They have ears, nose, mouth, eyes, hands, feet. You can show them the similarities that exist between them. They both enjoy jumping, running, laughing, and they are mostly the same size for, for that age. And they can enjoy playing together. And God gave us all these things as the same. Okay, so that's one thing that you can start with is that God made people, and some are boys and some are girls. And there's going to come a time where they ask the question, well, what makes, what makes them different? Well, you can say boys grow to be strong. You know, they grow to be handsome and thoughtful. And you can fill in your own blanks here of how you want to describe masculinity and how you want to describe femininity. Girls grow to be beautiful, sweet, influential. Now, those words may not mean anything to the kid at the time, but what you're trying to express to them is that both parts of, uh, of uh, both of these different types of individuals have opportunities to have influence and strength and grow in different ways. So these are just some ways to do this. Boys grow into daddies, and girls grow into mommies. That's just a simplified way to help them understand male and female. And again, there are other ways that you could do that too. What are some other ways that you guys may think of that you could explain that to a child? Some of you are already on to my next slide. 
Anything else you think of that would be a good way to describe? <laughs> I'm going to get to that. <laughs> just to, are there other? Well, no, well uh, there may not be. Did I just do it perfectly? I don't think so. But there, there's got to be other ways that you can help explain that. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great answer. Anything else? Anybody add anything to this? Okay, next. You know what? You can go ahead if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say we have to be careful about the second point, too. I don't want to stir the pot. But you know, that's something, too, we, we sometimes, I think, go too overboard with going back to the other slide, too. We, want, we don't spend enough time talking about how valuable a person is mm-hmm. before we get to man and woman. And we, sometimes we do that. I know growing up in the church, small church. <laughs> Yep. Congregation too. There's almost an overreaction from elders and adults. I mean, the older ones who want to just make sure they they're getting ahead of the schools, right? So they right. Know, but we've skipped. I know, growing up, just you almost skip past that. Hurry up! Remember, you're a boy, you're a girl. You do this, you do that. Right. When we've skipped past the, you know, we have to be careful sometimes. I think girls are sweet, and this is, you know, you're you're you know that just you know you're you're sweet, and you know boys are. That's what kind of, sometimes that leads to that boys will be boys type thing. The boys can be sweet too. A girl yeah. can be strong because what happens? They get older, and we get into that situation. You get a girl that's getting into sports and athletic, and right. we get called these names like you're being unfeminine. It's like that's plenty feminine. Now, yeah, you know what I mean. I don't want right. to get ahead. No, I get. I could say that's why I put on there. Uh, where's that? Handsome and thoughtful. Right. Same thing. That's that's thought of as more of a tender yeah. element. Guys like you know the, and and we can get into this more later. But but. You know, I think masculinity doesn't have to be like, you know, a hammer and, and Thor. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be like raw, just, you know, physicality. But we are made that way. I mean, it's not wrong for a young man to be that way. Uh, but it's also not wrong for a girl to be strong and to be active and to be athletic. I mean, we got folks in this room. Where you at, McKay? Your daughter can whoop, whoop any of us in baseball probably. Right? She's good at that, right? But we want, but, but it's not... It's not a bad idea to go ahead and begin to talk to them about being feminine and about being uh, masculine. It's not a, not a bad thing for us to do that. I always talk to Kinsey because Kinsey liked to wear sweatshirts and jeans. If you see any picture of her from the age of about 12 till now, uh, she is wearing blue jeans and a sweatshirt. That is just her, her way. And I would say, you know, hey, sometimes just dress up a little bit. And she'd go, Dad, this is what I'm most comfortable in. I'm like, I got you, I got you. But I want you to feel comfortable with yourself in all environments. I want you to feel pretty. I want you to take the time to be pretty. I want you to, to, uh, to, to be feminine at times and wear the dresses and, and those kind of things. Not all the time. I don't expect you to paint your face crazy. But just learn to find comfort in all those environments with who you are. And uh, so that was one of the things that we did. both of them are beautiful exactly. right right but, you know. all right let's get into this so i can get to this material 
Uh, there is one body difference between the two. God gave girls a vagina. It's on the inside. God gave boys a penis and testicles, and they're on the outside. And that's just one simple way to help define this for them from a bodily perspective, okay? Uh, this is what makes a girl a girl and a boy a boy. And God did this on purpose so that their bodies will fit together when they get married. Now, I'm not telling you to get into the sexual act with your children at this age. But what I am saying is you are laying a foundation for them to understand that God's creation of this was for a male and a female. You know, I want to, we'll get into this more. In fact, probably our last class, we'll, I'll, I'll be taking up questions and we'll maybe address some things that maybe the world is throwing out at us and uh, try to get some good biblical answers for those questions. Uh, but one thing I want to just reemphasize is that in Genesis chapter 2, you know, when we talk about the origin of things, just, be, just understand this. When, when God came and brought Eve to Adam, he could have done anything he wanted to do, right? He could have selected any way, anyhow that he wanted to pull that off. He could have brought two individuals to Adam and said, here is a male and here's a female, you pick. But he didn't. And I think that's something that we need to, to hold on to a little bit there. If God, the creator of the universe, and all of his wisdom, and all of his brilliance, and knowing exactly what man needed, if he chose to make a female the perfect, suitable helpmeet for a woman, then we need, to, we need to understand that that's what he intended for that to be. And so we just got to be... I think we need to make sure that we are settled on the origin of this a little bit. So, moving on. The parts that make us different are only to be seen by mommies and daddies, okay? This is just something I think we need to talk with our children about. I'm, this, this is one way to do it. It's not the, maybe not the perfect way, okay? Um, but I do think as society has changed and grown and we have seen more and more perversions, it's good to inform our children early on that this is an area that's meant to be private, okay, and that needs to be protected, okay, because it's set aside for, for marriage. And so we want to make sure that we do that. So I've got to know, no adult stranger should see those special parts of your body. Now, when you get to the doctor's office, you're going to have to explain that. When you get around grandparents, you're going to have to explain that, okay? But I think it's important to at least set some boundaries for them so they know that it's not appropriate for other people uh, to look or to touch. Always listen to mommy and daddy about this and tell us if someone is asking questions that make you feel unsafe. You know, six and eight-year-olds. How many of y'all got six and eight-year-olds in here? Have any of you had these kind of conversations with your children yet? Okay. I would suggest you do, uh, just because we, you, you never know in this world today. All right. Mommy should see those parts. Daddy should not see those parts. Mm -hmm. Because I have been in situations where, sure. you know, the child said, well... Daddy, right. Know, right. So... Right. You know, that just yeah, this, the assumption is that mommy and daddy are looking out for the right. best of the child. Right. And we know that abuses are out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know. That's good. However, if we had boys, it would be 
however you choose to draw those boundaries for your child. I think that's, that's just fine. Anybody got any other comments about that? Yes, ma'am. And from early on, when he would do her exams, he would always say, okay, now I'm going to do this, and it's okay because your mommy's right here, and your mommy says it's okay. Yeah. But it's only okay right now because your mommy's here. And right. She says it's okay, and you don't let, you know, no one else should be, like, the doctor. He even, you know, will say that to her when he, like, very quickly, you know, checks, and then he's right. all finished. Wonderful. Uh, we need to know the name of that pediatrician, I think. Any, anything else? All right, why did God make boys and girls different? God did this so boys could grow into men and girls could grow into women. And men and women fall in love and get married and become a family just like God wanted. Again, this is, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm somewhat careful about some of these statements because I want it to be known that not everyone needs to be married. Not everyone should necessarily want to be married. Uh, and those, those lifestyles are absolutely, completely perfect with God. I mean, I think about the Apostle Paul. think about others in the Scriptures that didn't have spouses. And so I don't want us to lock our children in to say, hey, to be a success in life, you have to be married. That is just not the case. And I want to be very careful that we don't do that. But in this idea of family... Within the family situation, that's, that's what we want to teach our kids. Anybody got any questions, comments there? Okay, why? Somebody said, my, my child asked why all the time. God planned that both a married mommy and daddy are needed for a new baby to be created. Now, obviously, you're going to have questions sometimes because somebody else is going to do this without being married, right? And you're going to have to answer that question. I think what we try to do is go back to the original plan and say this is what God really intended. You know, we're not, we're not here to judge anybody else, but we're trying to say that God is going to bless us in this relationship if we do this the right way. So what happens? God allows the baby to grow for nine months in the mommy's belly, or tummy, however you want to say that. And when it's ready to come out, God helps the baby out through the mommy's vagina. This is just a very simplistic way of helping them understand. Any other suggestions that you want to speak out loud? All right. So this is, God, this is how God makes a family with children. And this is how you came into the world. That's an important thing to remind them. That this is how you got here. Y'all remember the video last week where, you know, they were trying to talk about, like, you know, pocket and <laughs> all these kinds of things. And ultimately just talking to your children in, in words that they will understand giving them clear definitions of what those things are will really help them. And God blesses us with children so parents can teach them how to grow into men and women and love God too. So, anybody got any other comments? Yes? Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Anything else? 
All right, guys, here's what we're going to do. Next week, uh, we're going to skip in here. I want you all to find another class next week. Um, I just on short notice, and with half of the crowd at least not going to be here next week, I'd, I'd rather save that material and let's do, do it in two weeks. So next week, let's go find another class. Uh, I, I meant to get that list. Jason, you're here. What, what all do we have? We have a prayer class. Okay, so those are the options. Definitely check those out next week. And uh, then in two weeks, we'll be back in here and we'll move up into like that 9 through 12. It's going to get deeper and more technical as we go. I want you to understand what's going on in your children's bodies as they grow and they get puberty and those kinds of things. And so we'll get into the deep science of all that. In fact, if some of you nurses are going to help me out, that would be great because I've got some uh, things that, that are you know on a medical side of things. And we'll kind of get into that as well. Anybody have any, any final remarks or anything before we leave tonight? All right, let's bow with a prayer and then we'll head out. Father, thank you so much for giving us just a beautiful picture of, of what uh, marriage it looks like. And Father, that, that we can imitate it. I pray that you help us, Father, to, to fall in love with the idea of marriage and to help our children fall in love with that idea. Uh, to fulfill the, the will that you have for us and for us to be able to enjoy the blessings that, that we can only enjoy in marriage. Father, help us to, you know, as our children grow, to help them understand. Uh, we've talked about this in the sense of the rights and the wrong, things that are good, things that are not good for us. Help us to ultimately, Father, align our will with yours and teach our children in a way that will help them honor that marriage covenant that you provided for us. We pray, Father, for purity uh, for our children, for a strong mindset to do your, your will, your way. And we pray, Father, that, that every day that they'll make choices that, that honor you with their lives. Help us, Father, first of all, to, to model marriage appropriately for our children. If there are things, Father, in our lives and in our marriages that are not what they should be, we pray that you help us to to do the right thing and to confront those, those challenges and issues, to speak with someone if we need to and just work through those problems so we can be the best example for our children so they'll want what we have and what we enjoy in our own marriages. Uh, be with us and protect our children, Father. We pray that you surround them with people who will speak truth into their hearts. And we pray, Father, for your protection over all of us as we do our best to lead them and lead our family in a way that pleases you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys.